0: all right everybody welcome back to another episode of kente corner your favorite casual hoya basketball podcast i'm bobby bancroft and i'm coming to you from capital one arena we're right here back on the court and georgetown just did the unthinkable they won a big east game 81 to 76 over depaul georgetown is now 6 and 15 1 and 9 but the big deal obviously is they snapped their 29 game big east losing streak 34 game losing streak to teams from power conferences and of course I am joined here with none other than Patrick Stevens from many outlets particularly the Washington Post right now does a weekly NCAA tournament projection and Patrick we've kind of been here all year
1: and they did it. They did do it and I'm, I'm not sure if they hadn't done it tonight that they were gonna do it at any point this season uh, but they did do it and you look at, at what the, the sort of path to victory there. They took care of the ball, only seven turnovers. Uh, they got to the foul line more than twice as much as DePaul did. And while that number's inflated a little bit with the final minute or so, uh, they still sent DePaul to the foul line a little bit too in that in that minute. But so still, 27 for 41 at the foul line. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of contained Emoja Gibson in the second half. Uh, and ultimately, you know, this was a game on paper that should have been winnable. Like, DePaul comes to town. It's not exactly a team that has torn up the Big East since they came into the league. Uh, and, and even now, with some semblance of hope, not a, not a team that's in the top half of the league at all. So this was a, this was a legitimate opportunity. Georgetown takes advantage of it. I would say that uh, a Cook a Cook played a really good game for them today. That goes beyond the numbers, 12.6 boards, the four blocks. Uh, I thought he was the best player on the floor for Georgetown. Uh, and Primo Spears had a really good game, too, with 21 points and six assists. So a lot, to, a lot to like on a single night. And I think more than anything else, the general consensus for Georgetown should just be relief. Just it's over.
0: Yeah. And that's what I want to go to that next. Obviously sports, there's scores and then there's results and it is what it is. But just from the human aspect, you know, you've been, I think, to almost all their home games so far. Uh, I've only missed the Green Bay game. Uh, we were here a lot last year just from the human element. You know, we saw Patrick Ewing. Uh, he brought in a uh, cook, a cook, Primo Spears. Just what kind of sense did you get from him?
1: That he was happy it was over with. He's happy that you're not going to ask him about what the losing streak was like anymore. Uh, I didn't enjoy that. I I, I mean, look, <laughs> you know, let me tell you two of the most boring things in sports. Winning all the time and losing all the time. It, it It's really hard to write about those things. And I know fans of a team that win all the time don't don't find that particularly boring. But there is a certain, like, monotony to that. But it also works the other way, too, where it's just like the sort of ceaseless, endless losing. And you're just like, how how does this continue? And we've talked about this before, right? Like, chances are, over the course of a conference season, you're just going to have one good game out of 20, one really good game out of 20, or two or three, and you're going to win a game. Or you run into somebody that plays like garbage once or twice or three times, and you get a win that way. And the fact that it didn't happen last year, the fact that it didn't happen for almost the entire first half of the conference schedule this year, uh is really rather remarkable but also at some point you're just like well somebody please end this please you know come, come up with a way to, to to come out on the other end of things so you know i think for georgetown as players i think they have to be pretty happy that that this thing that's been kind of hovering over them is over and i think for pretty much anybody else you just have to be glad that that's not a thing anymore, that it's not something... It's not the single defining thing about this team. I mean, frankly, you know, this game, getting a victory, was the single most interesting thing that was going to happen the rest of this season for Georgetown. Their first victory was going to be... Their first victory in Big East play was the most interesting thing left on the table for them to get this particular season. Unless they were to somehow go unless they unless they had a Big East tournament run but I would say for sure the next 10 games there's not a whole lot of meaning to those I don't think at all do you remember I don't think those guys will say that I don't think they believe it but I think in general that the next 10 games it it doesn't really matter that much I mean the, the die the die is cast on the season but at least they don't have that that big zero in the win column against Big East opposition uh,
0: one of the things I was looking at, you know, we obviously look at a lot of stats. Um, if they had lost today, they would have clinched six straight non-winning seasons in the Big East. Technically, as Patrick let us know in the postgame, it, it is possible that they could go 11-9 and in the mm-hmm. league based on math. Based um, on math. Based on what we've seen, uh, that seems highly unlikely. But they do need to believe that. And it's not for us to really have to, you know, believe what they say. Mm. But if you're on that team, you should think every time you go we play. And they have had moments. You know, we were looking up. You know, I turned to you and I said, what's the most they've been up in the Big East? And, you know, they were up six or seven on uh, they up, UConn. They were
1: up seven at Connecticut. Yeah. They were up seven early at Marquette. Right. You know, and, and everybody forgets because of how the last, you know, 35 minutes went. And this is obviously a Big East game. But they were up 11 or 12 on Syracuse early in that game. Yeah. Before things unraveled. And so, you know, they have they have had some fleeting moments, and I think when they're fully healthy, which obviously they aren't without Jay Heath at this point, but when they are fully healthy, they can be a decent offensive team. I don't think anybody should realistically expect it. And that's where,
0: and even tonight they mm-hmm. got to eighty one. They got eighty
1: one. Didn't sort of seem
0: possible, maybe at the you know five minute mark mm-hmm. left. Um, and that yeah, is, I think.
1: I think that was what, like it was about 60, 60 or so. Yeah, that and point. I was
0: starting to be like, oh, you know, I got to get my stats of how often Georgetown wins scoring in the seventies. It's not that often, mm-hmm. and they found a way to get to eighty-one. Obviously, fouls late and all that stuff. Um, but you are Georgetown. You're, you know, you're a big brand. When the league started, like this is supposed to be one of the anchors to be get into this position. Is obviously, I mean, look, Fox can't be happy about it. The, they're not going to say it. Mm-hmm. The Big East can't be happy about it. They're not going to say it. But to just slide in and to just be a normal, regular, uh, bad team, I guess, for a lack of a better phrase, yeah, or, you know, some... or,
1: or nondescript team. Like yeah. if, if the Big East would be the, di- yes, the Big East would love it if Georgetown could be a team that was in the NCAA tournament hunt every year and winning or three out of four years or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but even if it's a team that's going eight and 12 in the Big East every year, that's still vastly better than, than what we've seen over the last two seasons
0: yeah there's a team that that can't play defense and like you said usually you can map out a way to get at the bare minimum four wins which i think is what ken palm had him when it started i think four and 16 maybe five and 15. that's kind of what i figured because you assume that there's going to be nights where you're just on between murray and heath and spears Hmm. um and just enough that you're just going to outscore people like losing that first uh conference game of the season here to Xavier you score eighty nine points. That's gonna beat most teams. Xavier happens to be a ridiculously good offensive team and that matches very poorly with how Georgetown plays on, you know, the other side of the ball. But you figure if you can score in the eighties, you're not gonna go over. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've avoided here. Um you've covered a lot of different teams. Had you ever sort of been around a team that just was carrying this on their back? I mean, Patrick would say, you know, one game at a time, we're chipping away, we feel good about stuff, but I mean, we don't know what it's like behind closed doors, behind the Thompson Athletic Center. Um, had you been around a team that had this much weight lifted off by – and look, they're 6-15. and 15. Mm. They're 1-9. But for this tonight – they need to celebrate like it's a big they, deal. Should. they should it's they a should. big deal they
1: should celebrate you know like uh, you know the funny thing is, is is you're sitting there thinking well how big a deal should you make out of beating DePaul a team in the bottom half of the league and you know the the crusty old guy response to that is act like you've been there well they you haven't. know what they haven't so they should enjoy it they absolutely should enjoy it um two teams come to mind when I'm thinking about teams that I've been around at Futility. least in some, in some way or another I covered a fair bit of the Towson team that lost 41 in a row. Not a ton, but if I was around enough to watch that team. And that was obviously a, a team that didn't have as much talent as, as Georgetown has had over the last couple of years. Yeah. Also playing in the CAA rather than in the Big East. Um, and that was a team that, um, you know, they had one guard in Pat Scary's first year at Towson, one guard on the roster, which is a, a which, problem, which is which is the Louisville problem this year by the way, which yeah. explains a great many things. So that was one that's one analog that I can think of and another was covering uh, Maryland football in Randy Edsel's first season okay. when it felt like they just simply could not every, everything that could have possibly gone wrong was going to go wrong with that team right down to having a big lead building a big lead on the last day of the season going up like I don't know they were they were up like 41-14 and then lost by double digits. They lost 56-41 that game.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean I you know I think I've turned to you at some points and just been like, you know, I'm out of ways to ask what happened with the three-point defense in the second half or you know this and because at the end of the day, you know, what wh- whoever you're covering for whether it's the AP or it's casual hoya it's become a completely big picture situation. Yes, there's like, the, the, you, you there's, no,
1: there's nothing granular to get into here. Like, at the end of the day, the, if they had if if DePaul had completed a comeback tonight, there would have been like for a second for, there, for even, a second and looked like, like it was possible. There was something granular to get into, which was how'd you blow how, it? How, how did those, how did that happen in the last two minutes of that game? But overall, you're right. There's nothing. You're not sitting here like dissecting all this stuff, and I think we talked about this the last time. Like, you don't know who's going to be here a year, from, a season from now, right? Like, you you don't know, and so it's not even sitting there and obsessing over player development and things like that because you just, you just don't know uh, where things are headed. But obviously, you know, to kind of swing back around to your point from just a minute ago, on this particular night for Georgetown, that doesn't matter. It doesn't change. Uh, you know, the first 20 games of the season or how last year went. But it is a situation where those guys should at least feel good about themselves. Today. Yeah, you know,
0: people get on Twitter, people go on message boards. At the end of the day, there's a group of kids that came here, obviously on scholarships, some of them getting some NIL stuff, but they're a group of young people that, you know, they're students, they're part of the whole deal, and they just walk around with, you know, this oath or whatever. And, you know, Patrick brought up to me many times that this team – isn't on a losing streak. Really, it's him, mm-hmm. you know. Which so it's not really great to bring that up for him. But you know
1: what I mean. Yeah. So it's not this, like this team had lost ten in a row, right? And you know, it sounded silly, which, which, which is which is not good. But it's not it's not as bad as as thirty or or twenty nine or thirty four or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously Jordan Riley was hurt last year. Matumbo did play, doesn't play a lot. Played tonight, which was interesting to see. But it wasn't like there's was no one that was a big part of last year. That's still here, so it's not, you know, it's hmm. Patrick. Patrick is the one. Um, while we have you here, uh, you know, I mentioned that you're putting out for the post bracket projections. Um, real quick on the Big East, are you at
1: five? Yeah, yeah, five at this point. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here. Yeah, you put sorry, me, you, sorry. You are putting me on the spot here. I think I had Xavier on Xavier on the three or the four line. I okay. want to say uh, Marquette was, I think, a four or a five. Uh, in the in the projection that went up uh, mon- or Tuesday afternoon, um, what else we got? We got UConn was like a four uh, as well. Providence like in the six or six or seven range. And Creighton's probably a weird and team Crain- to see. Creighton's a weird team because you know their results. You know when you look at at, at the metrics on the team sheet, there's results based stuff and there's predictive stuff, and the committee tends to push more towards the results based stuff. And Creighton doesn't rate as well in those because it had that big losing streak, but and they the pr- had a good you know a good schedule had, and Colt yeah, Brenner
0: was out and, and blah blah blah.
1: But the predictive metrics say that they're a top twenty team or a top yeah. twenty five team. And Ken so, Palm loves them, and they're you know I think the net veers more towards that. I think they're about like twenty first okay. something like that in the net, and so you know, they still have some work to do. I think I I would put them like on the ten line or something along those lines at this point. Uh, so, so that's that, and the, I think the only other team in the Big East that was really anywhere within shouting distance at this the point Hall. is Seton Hall. And, you know, they've got some work to do, too. I think they're on the outside looking in at the moment. We've got that Rutgers win. They do have that Rutgers win, and they have a UConn win now. And so there's some stuff for them to work with uh, that puts them in better shape than, than everybody else on the, on the back end of the lane.
0: And to link this back to Georgetown, so oddly enough, the way the Biggie schedules, you know, worked, um, they haven't played Providence or Creighton at all, two of the teams Mm -hmm. that seem to be squarely in the field right now, Um, they still have one left with Marquette, one left with UConn, in the event one of those good teams
1: were to lose to Georgetown, is that a seed moving loss? It would it would not be good. It would it would not be good. I mean, I think Georgetown's net coming into the day was in like the two thirties or something. Like, it yeah, was I think they're two thirty one. Some something along those lines. I I I hadn't really, frankly, paid that much attention to it. it yeah, but it's yeah. not. It's it's in the. It's not good. But basically, range. just losing to a team in that quad with quad four, right? Yeah. It, it, especially if you lost at home to this team, like. No, losing on the losing here wouldn't be great, but, but losing it at home to Georgetown would not be good for any potential NCAA tournament team.
0: And it probably knocks Hall off the
1: conversation. Well, they've already played here, but yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But they, but, yeah. But yeah, that that's not a team. Like if if, if you're UConn, you don't want to lose to <laughs> Georgetown, but but it's not going to destroy your NCAA tournament hopes. But if you're a borderline team losing to a a a a team with a net over 200 is not the sort of blotch on the resume that you want to be dealing with come selection Sunday. i'll
0: tell you one thing that i've changed my stance on probably since i started doing this which i started doing this 2000 the end of the 2010-11 season i've changed my stance on court stormings Mm -hmm. and the fans at the who was what was the last home game
1: Seton Hall Seton Hall fans
0: were pretty good. There was they a lot. Were, there was there a were, lot more.
1: I I remember saying it was to you and to some other people. Like there were a fair number of, of, of students here for that game. Yeah, I, I think they were just back or something like that. Like a yeah, it was it was was second their, day class or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: So they were they were back, and there was a game that was tied at the half, I believe, and you know Georgetown loses by double digits. But twelve years ago, I would have said court storming at any point. I had like kind of rules for court storming. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten, I'm like, look, they're in college. Let them do what they want. They actually, they made the effort to come here. They should be able to do whatever they want. I would have been cool if they would stormed the court. Now, obviously, it didn't happen and the security got in front. What would your take have been on that?
1: Um, my take is, is that as long as you don't destroy my laptop, you can do whatever you want. Okay, that, that's my... Uh... That's my rule about that. Is okay. is my, is, is I. I uh, we were in a good spot there for that. We were in a good spot for th- there for that, but you know there was a time where we're sitting right here, where you're sitting on the baseline. Uh, I feel like the I, last Big East game, uh, I got trampled a little
0: bit, and uh, Ben uh, he helped a girl I remember, uh, but I remember myself like
1: a chair came, came on my foot. I think I screamed. So, so I think I or think I yelled I, out in pain. I, I have I have no problem saying that my primary uh, my primary concern is is. <laughs> is the safety of other people and other people's l- and their and my laptop and I'm not sure exactly what the order of that is but okay. that's that's sort of the uh, that's sort of the big concern if you can do it safely and nobody gets hurt have at it yeah
0: I was sort of rooting for them to do it I know it'd probably be mocked by I mean what whatever you do is gonna get mocked on the internet so I don't think you should worry about that and anything that you do but I would have been know what pro- you know what I would have been pro if
1: if, if uh... <laughs> If a team has lost 29 consecutive conference games, it's getting mocked more for that than it is for anything else that comes from actually winning a game.
0: No, I think if you're a student and you're still coming, I think short of, you know, assaulting anybody, you know what I mean? Like as long as you're keeping to yourself, if you choose to wear whatever you want or hold up a sign, like if you come here, I think you have the right to kind of do as long as you're not hurting anybody else, uh, I guess mentally or physically. I think court storming would have been nice. The Twitter police were already out on that one. And I just want to say I would have been I would have been behind it, um, Patrick. Thank you again for coming on. You can get him at Discourse on Twitter. That is with a one instead of an I. And uh, I'll try and see you soon, maybe at uh, Fairfax. I don't know what's going to go on here, but uh, five games left here, and we'll see what happens.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having. Me. <laughs>